Okay, before we get into the new episode, I want to say thank you to every single person that took time out of their day to stream the last episode of the Highlights Only podcast. Thank you if you streamed once, twice, three times, five times, or even if you shared it with a friend or a family member. I just want to say thank you. We destroyed streaming numbers from the past few episodes just with that episode. So I'm going to put out a new episode of the Highlights Only podcast every Thursday until the end of 2019. And then at that point, we're going to roll into 2020 with a completely new season, season two of the Highlights Only podcast. But let's get to this episode. This time around, I had an opportunity to speak with Izzy Lugo. Izzy is the COO of Urban Misfits Ventures. He was listed as one of the rising tech leaders to watch in Wisconsin and one of Wisconsin's 25 under 25 in the tech category. Izzy has one of the most compelling and humbling stories about risking it all, saying no to the nine to five and building something from the ground up, utilizing your own creativity and the creativity of those around you. The episode starts now. So, man, I just want to kick this off like this. I know we just talked a little bit uh, beforehand, but tell us just like a little bit more about yourself and kind of like your journey to, to, you know, to getting to where you're at right now. Yeah, definitely, dude. Well, first of all, Thank you for having me on. Like, oh man, thank you for, for for doing this. I know we rescheduled a few times, but you're a busy man, so <laughs> I understand. I understand. I apologize, or I apologize for that. And then you being so flexible is awesome. Um, but yeah, like going into me, like I'm. So my name's Izzy. Um, I'm the COO of Urban Misfit Ventures. Um, I started off like like I was telling you earlier. I started off at Cardinal Church University. I'm originally from Chicago. Um, my parents moved me out to the suburbs in middle school, high school times. Um, and then Izzy ended up uh, messing around too much in high school. So I had to make that conscious decision of what do I do next? And I ended up here in, in Milwaukee going to Cardinal Church University. Um, long story short, I was not a good student. And so I needed to set myself up in different ways. So I decided to take part in extracurriculars. Um, that being track at the time. Um, so I met Q through that, uh, which was really cool. And ultimately, like Q's the CEO, I'm the COO, and it's it's worked out to this point. Um, but after probably a year of track, I said, wow, I'm a terrible athlete. <laughs> and I, I, I can't do this anymore. So I, I really wanted to be a part of the team and around the team, but I just didn't know how. Um, and I sat down with the coach and I sat down with the GAs and I said, what if I can bring some recruits here, uh, to stretch? I mean, not a lot of people know about this school or this program or anything like that. And with my help, stretch ended up actually being, uh, ranked number two in, uh, NAIA, uh, for track. I think it was the year after I was done recruiting. Uh, so I brought a whole bunch of recruits from around my area. I ended up helping the bas- women's basketball team with the same thing, uh, which was really, really cool. So that was my first sales job. And I had to set myself up uh, because I wasn't that good student, that good of a student. I had to self- set myself up in different ways. So I, while I was recruiting, I was interning with the Bucks and the Brewers and the Wave and all these different cool places. And I like I would skip class to go to work, but I needed to set myself up in a different way. Uh, ended up getting a job or job offers with the Trailblazers out of school, the Dolphins, um, the San Antonio Spurs, and ultimately the Bucks. Nice. Was it uh, just kind of like a ticket sales type thing? Yeah. So okay, it was just dope. ticket sales. Um, there was a couple minor league teams that offered me sponsorship positions, um, but I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go into ticket sales. Like it was right when they announced a new arena. 
you got Jabari, you got Giannis coming out too. It's like, damn, we got a good team. Like this would be easy to sell tickets. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, absolutely not. Like they, like I would make a hundred, 200 calls a day and they would hang up. I, I, if I had seven people answer the phone, four of them would tell me, why are you wasting my tax dollars? Like, why are you specifically like I would, I had nothing to do with that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I learned obviously through that, I learned a lot about sales, ended up getting a job with, um, uh, minor league conglomerate in Milwaukee uh, and they own the Milwaukee wave uh, owned the marathon at the time. And I ended up taking a sponsorship position with them. Um, and that allowed me to kind of tap that creativity that I, I felt like with the bucks, I, I really couldn't tap into. Um, so I, I actually have right now uh, because of me, the only Qdoba burrito mile was a thing. Uh, and I got I got a burrito mile sponsored out by Qdoba, obviously. Uh, ultimately, you had to run a mile or eat a burrito, run a mile. And then if you finish without puking, you got free burritos after. It was, That's it, pretty dope. It, yeah. That's a good idea. <laughs> it's like the a beer mile, but with food. Exactly. <laughs> What's crazy is that in this city, I, I, I pitched a beer mile to probably like 13 different breweries and all this stuff. And I, honestly, all we needed was beer. It wasn't that we, we needed money for it. We yeah. just needed the beer or and even a place to run. Yeah, like. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, but we, we did the burrito mile. We had, um, I thought there'd be like 50 people wanting to be a part of it. Anything like that. Uh, there were 750 people there. And that's when I realized like creativity is going to like, I can kind of do this. Um, but after that, I had some handcuffs put on me, and I said, one day I walked into the office, I, I just quit on a dime, no, nothing lined up or anything like that. Probably one of the, the worst decisions of my life, based off of credit card debt that I had to put myself into, everything like that. Uh, but that was a very long story. I ended up meeting uh, Q for coffee one day. He said, hey, I'm about to start this company. I have two of the most creative creatives in the city that aren't actually doing anything creative. They don't have roles in the creative field. Uh, so those two people were Brema and Eric. And he said, hey, wouldn't it be dope to like travel the world with these creatives and interview entrepreneurs, influencers, all these different things? I was like, yeah, that'd be amazing. He's like, you should quit your job. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to. <laughs> so after I said, before I make any rash decisions, let me, let me meet these guys. Uh, so I met Eric and Brema and Q for lunch over um, a over, I was working at bubbler to pay, pay the bills, fixing bikes. And they, after an hour, I was like, yeah, let's do this. Uh, so I signed up for this, like almost traveling podcast. And after two and a half, three weeks, I was like, damn, we are not going to make money off of this. Like, how are we going to pay the bills? Like, <laughs> like I just left this for sure. Rent check. And like, I'm, I don't know how I'm going to pay rent. Um, so I was like, well, we have cameras, uh, and we have two of the most creative people in Milwaukee, arguably, uh, at, in our age range. Why don't we pivot into a content agency? And that's what we are today. So Urban Misadventures, we have th uh, two companies as of right now. Uh, one is our content agency, uh, where we literally, we, we don't run your social media. We don't do uh, paid ads. We don't do anything like that. What we do is what we specialize in, and that's content. Uh, photos, videos, gifts, whatever you're looking for, we can provide it. Um, and then we make your social media manager look that much better when they, the content's out there. Um, and then lastly, we have an events company. Uh, it's called MK Misfits. We do a ton of events. Um, and those are 
both large scale and small scale. Uh, but at the end of the day, every one of our events that we throw have to have some type of intentionality behind them. The latest one we threw was a very exclusive mental health event. Um, and that one highlighted, we, we literally texted people 40, uh, or we texted 40 people, uh, the day before an event, a ticket to come to the event, uh, about 37 people, 30, I think it was like 35 to 37 people showed up. Um, and we asked them that day, they were like, yo, what are you struggling with? Uh, and we thought maybe the five people, um, maybe five people would go up there and talk about what they were struggling with, um, with, the people that were working that day, we had about 42 people actually go up and talk and it really powerful video. It's on our Facebook page and everything like that. But that's after, after that, like we said, okay, wait, we need to stand for so much more than just like an agency. Um, so 2020 is going to be a huge year for us. Awesome, man. Awesome, man. My bad. I was like stepping away. I'm like blown back by, you know, everything that you, that, that you guys do because that, straight up, those are the first few questions that I had. Because you know how websites are just, websites are somewhat convoluted. Like you get what you do and it's just like, okay, we do X, Y, and Z. But it's like, what do you really mean behind that X, Y, and Z? Like what all do you do? And my follow-up question to that is, you know, how is it working with a lot of these companies that already have marketing teams? For some reason, I think when we first started, a lot of the people that we were approaching, we were like, they thought that we were trying to take someone's position when we weren't like I, at the end of the day, like I, I worked in sports. Um, and if I can provide a social media, a bucks social media manager or a brewer social media manager, that another angle of a shot rather than just the angle that they took, why not? Um, especially if it might be a better angle or anything like that. So we're just here to, at the end of the day, like help somebody's job, uh, get a little bit easier. Uh, we work with, uh, Wisconsin Vision right now, which is really, really cool. Uh, they give us a lot of creative control as to what their commercials look like and who is involved in their commercials and stuff like that, what kind of music's used and stuff like that. And um, they like those are the people that we want to work with because they're like, yes, take this and run with it. Um, but don't like over like we're obviously going to have edits. We're going to don't overstep what you're here to do. And we're completely fine with that. So I think it's been a little bit of both. It's, it's fun. Uh, it's, it's also a bit of a struggle. Like we actually, uh, this past summer we worked with Kohler. It was the biggest, biggest brand that by far that we've worked with yet. Um, really, really cool, but it's, it's just, it's crazy how many people have to look, uh, check a box or anything like that. And, um, us being such a small team and a very nimble team, we're able to, okay, we want to do this, like this mental health event. We, said hey let's throw an event a week before and we did it like it's that but like some of these companies it does take a little bit of time like northwestern mutual it does and while i i get it um it, it just kind of sucks sometimes having to sit back and say uh what like when is this coming when is this coming um when can we do something here so it's really fun don't get me wrong like this is by far um one of the most i mean the most fun job i've had just yet to this point in my life, um, I'm able to do stuff that uh, I and tap into areas of my brain that I've never tapped into. So it's a lot of fun. Have you always kind of like had that creative side, even through high school and kind of like growing up? And where, where did that kind of start for you? Everyone kind of starts somewhere. Everyone's like a creative, but they're creative in like specific things. And I know you weren't planning events when you're like 10 or 12 <laughs> years old, you That'd know? Be dope though. That would do it, honestly. <laughs> Parents built a business around that. <laughs> Kid exactly. <laughs> exactly. 
No, I like, I don't know, man. Like creatively, like I, I was always, I've, I'm always a guy that likes to joke around. So I think like creatively, that's where it started. Like I'm I, like, I was always a classroom jokester, anything like that. I always, I might've taken things maybe a step too far most of the time, but it was just, oh, it, it's Izzy being Izzy type of thing. But as I started moving, like when I came up here, I, my first like creative step was I started this food account, um, complete transparency. It's an Instagram account. It's called mke.foodie. It's inactive now, but uh, before I literally just go around the city and just try different foods and stuff like that, take pictures. It started because I had a long night on Water Street one night, went to Ian's Pizza. I was like, this is a beautiful piece of pizza. I'm going to take a picture of it. Um, and I started, I guess I started an Instagram profile that night, everything like that. And um, the next morning I was like, what the hell is this? And um, it just kind of went rocking and rolling after that. I, I started to learn how to do a GIF. I started to do all these different things. And um, it all centered around food, which was kind of cool. So I think creatively that's where it started. And then like just seeing like I'm behind cameras now. Uh, you mentioned something about Sony's before that I've never heard in my life, but I, I'm like actively trying to learn these things. Yeah. And like I said, I wasn't a great student before, but I'm actively trying to learn, which is that's when I know I'm, I'm doing something that I love. Like I'm like, damn, I'm sitting on YouTube watching podcasts about entrepreneurship and like a year and a half, two years ago, I'd be like, what the hell am I like? What are you doing, man? Let's go get a drink or something like that. But I'm actually spending my time bettering myself. So it's really cool. No, I completely, I, I completely agree with that. That last bit, because I've, I, I was in that same boat. I would just sit there on YouTube, just like watch videos, like watch Gary V watch Matt Diavella, like watch all these people. And like, they're doing these podcasts and just like recording them. And I'm just like, damn, like I've, I've always done something whether it was making music in my mom's basement, um, drawing when I was growing up, and making YouTube videos back in 2014, just, like, documenting, like, my journey uh, with, like, track and everything. And then I just, like, stopped. And I was just so, like, I got to work, working, like, go out on the weekends. Like, that was my escape. Then I'm like, damn, like, what am I doing right now? Like, I'm not doing anything. Like, I'm, str like, I'm struggling at work, not happy. And then... Funny, I hit on MCA Air Force Ones. Okay. Hit on those, 1,800 easy, sold them. Then I hit on the Travis Scotts, 800, wow. sold them. Then I'm like, all right, I'm sitting on this money. Like, I'm just going to buy some stupid shit with it, or I'm going to buy some more shoes that I don't need. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was just like, you know what? Let's just start the podcast. Let's just do it. I, like, text my friends, and I'm like, hey, man, you guys down to do a podcast? And surprisingly, they all said yeah. And... I was like, all right, cash out. <laughs> bought everything I needed. Like, I had cameras and stuff already, but yeah. just, like, bought all the other equipment, and then I just did it. And I think that's just what it is sometimes. Like, you unknowingly did it. Yeah. Like, you were just drunk out one night, posted a picture of food, made it a count, and you're just like, yeah, I'm a fucking creative now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, that, dude, that's all it takes is just, like, that one little spark, like, that one little thing that just, like, blows, and it just explodes. That's awesome, dude. Like, honestly, like... First of all, I commend you. Like that's that's a huge step you took, but like it, like you said, it, it's just that one step that it's like, okay, I like this. Yeah, I, li I like what I'm doing. Holy shit! Like you you get different perspectives and everything like that, and it's crazy. Like my friend to this day, he was with me that night. He was the one who actually had to walk me home from Ian's. He to this day, he's like, 
I was telling you not to start the Instagram account. Imagine if you listened to me type of thing. And it just blows my mind. Like the little small decisions you, you make, um, you think, ah, not really worth anything, but you never know how that's going to over time change your life. Exactly. And with that, I think honestly, we covered a lot about the, the company, the business, the, the two companies. And I commend you guys, number one, for doing something about mental health because it's one of the least talked about things. It's being talked about more and more now that, you know, it's being brought to the light. And I think you guys doing it at a separate company, but also working with these major companies and major brands is huge because essentially you're bringing eye, eyes onto mental health within the workplace, which I feel like is the last place that it's slowly creeping into. Like I just got an email on Monday about it. <laughs> like on Monday, like this has been like a major issue for years. Like why are we just now starting to talk about this in the workplace and be like, oh, if you're going through something, here's a number to call. Or if you see someone going through something, here's a number to call. It's like, where was this like 20, 30 years ago or even 10 years ago? Like it, it doesn't make much sense. No, it honestly, dude, like it, it's crazy. Um, when we first put the, the, the video out there and we actually released it as a podcast as well. Everybody wanted us to release it. everybody in attendance said, yes, I want this as a podcast. Um, and like we had things talked about from rape to sexual assault to, I just lost my job to my, my kids not doing well health wise and all these different things. And it was, it was nuts like hearing all of this and we had um, a ton of support for it, but then we also had those three or four, um, let's call them Bob Smiths out of the worlds that um, literally was saying like, oh, this makes your company look weak and stuff like that. And it's just the old way of thinking at the end of the day, which is crazy. And it's, it's funny because for every quote unquote Bob Smith, we had people saying, yo, you should do this at my event or you should do this. You, I'll give you this check for uh, you guys to actually replicate this at my event. And it, it, it was coming from these big brands that um, a Bob Smith would, would represent. And it's crazy just seeing um, how that shift is changing or that shift is happening, but it's also that old way of thinking is still there. Like somebody actually watched our video and was inspired enough to put his mental health journey on LinkedIn and he was actually like, I have a conversation with him tomorrow. He was fired from his job. That is, dude, that is messed up. But I think even like your event shows that sometimes you just need to ask. Yep. You just, honestly, you just need to ask. Like, it, you, I feel like companies should do like a mental health check, like once, once every, you know, six to eight weeks with their employees. Like maybe, you know, I understand eight, you know, companies don't have 10 HR people to do it. But even if it's like sent out in an email, or, you know, mail, you know what I'm saying? Like little stuff like that where, you know, you can be like, yeah, like I'm feeling X, Y, Z about work instead of like doing it quarterly or when it's up for, you know, the 2019 or 2020 best company in Milwaukee. Like, how do you feel about the workplace? Like it's yeah. too late at that point. Exactly. It's crazy. It makes no sense to you. It's crazy. I like, honestly, <clears throat> like obviously so we ended up saying no to all the checks that were thrown at us because we, we thought that um, what was so beautiful about our event was that we weren't making money off of it. And it just came up as like, I feel like if we tried to replicate that same thing every single time, it would just be forced. 
And even if a big company in Milwaukee wants to pay us five grand to put on the same event, like it's to us, it's like, I'm good. Like, it, like it, our product is more, our product is worth a lot more than what your, that check says uh, in just intentionality and making sure that it's not just a force event and we're just inviting the community of people that actually do support us and trust us with those types of stories to come out and do this because we have a check type of thing. Yeah. It, it, it's less genuine that way as well, I feel like. And it feels like, you know, the people may, the co- employees at the company may feel like, oh, they're forcing me to do this. And it's like, well, everyone in the company is going to look at me differently. I feel like in an intimate setting, like how you guys did it, makes sense. I'm pretty sure you pick people that don't know each other. They don't, you know, communicate on a daily basis. But it's tough being like, hey, like I'm going through X, Y, and Z in front of like your coworker. Yep, exactly. And they're going to look at you like, what's wrong? Like, that's going on at home? I have X, Y, and Z going on too. And it's like... So what? It's not it's, a it's not a one up competition. Right, right. It's not a game at the end of the day. Like it, it it's there's so much comparison in not just the workplace but everywhere, um, to the point where it affects like your mental health. Like I after that event, I actually did a, a massive reflection and just my job history and everything like that. And at some of the point, like some of my lowest points, that's what, what I was doing. I was just comparing myself to everyone else, and I was not the best seller or I was doing all these different things and I was getting into my own head to the point that I was like forcing myself out of position, out of a position that maybe I could have had some success on because I was at the end of the day comparing myself and it it isn't that one up competition as well. So um, I, it's, it's crazy. Like just how many people have reached out and how many people have set good and the bad and all these different things. But at the end of the day, like, if somebody goes and finds a good good way to go in and say, this is how you talk about mental health in the workplace, uh, not only is there a massive opportunity to change perspectives, but, dude, you make so much money. <laughs> like, <laughs> True. That, that is very true. They would make bank if, you know, one company kind of, like, figures that out and works with, like, HR departments to to develop some sort of, it doesn't even have to be a platform, some sort of some sort of like service that you can offer to your employees. I feel like, I mean, hey, if you're listening, you owe us both like 15%. Yeah. We'll take 30. <laughs> the rest is on you. <laughs> I want to be a silent owner. I want yeah. no part in this, please. <laughs> yeah. Too many logistics on that one. I'm like, ah, I'll step away. But on on the topic of comparing. Um, yourself to people. I want to talk a lot about, not a lot, I want to talk about social media. Like you leverage social media a lot. Your company leverages social media a lot. You know, what went into kind of like building your personal brand on Instagram? Um, let's start with Instagram because I have other questions when it comes to other platforms. Yeah. Um, Instagram specifically, like I, I didn't know what to do when I first started. Like I was just posting me going out and drinking and stuff like that, having a good time. And then um, I actually got a called into one of my boss's offices and he's like, you know, uh, that the team that you work for follows you, right? You can't be posting stuff like this. <laughs> and I was like, oh, crap. Uh, so I kind of reevaluated that and just went through and um, deleted what I needed to delete. Um, nothing bad or anything like that. But um, I... When I first started here, Q was like, yo, you should really just start 
writing some more long form and saying what's actually what's on your mind and stuff like that. And for the longest time I didn't like, I was like, nah, man, like I'm good. Like, was it the, the were you afraid to share? That was it. I, I was extremely, at the end of the day, like I, I sat down with it. It relates to two platforms. Um, but I sat down with Q and Eric one day and I was like, dudes, no one really, like, no one can relate to me. Like, I, I'm not relatable. No one has the same story as me. Um, so, like, why should I go out and talk? Um, why should I go out and be on podcasts and all these different things? And at the end of the day, they were like, dude, you never know. Um, and then I think it was two weeks later, I, I kept posting because uh, they annoyed me about it. And two weeks later, some guy reached out to me and he was like, yo, you changed my life. Like, I just quit my job and started my company and all this stuff. And I was like, me like what what did you take from me and he's like you're just so authentic with what you're doing and you have a similar similar story to what I have and he went about his story and it was like almost parallel paths I was like what the hell like there is some there are there are people like that like me um and that's when I started opening up on Instagram and that's when I started starting the uh like I that's when I started I realized I sat back and I was like ah food really isn't my thing um, and I, it kind of, I got pushed into, um, I was recently diagnosed with celiac disease. So like, I couldn't go out to eat as much because there's not that many gluten-free options. And I said, okay, maybe foodie isn't my thing, but like, I'm massive, like I'm massively into kicks. Um, and I now have the money to actually spend on sneakers and stuff like that. Um, not a ton, but I have some expendable cash so I can buy myself some Jordans. I'd never had that. My parents never had that. And um, yeah, I, I started Misfit Kicks, um, MSFT Kicks, and then I just kind of, it, it went rolling from there. It started in February, and I believe it has close to 6,000 followers at this point, and it's literally just me sharing. I built a community around that brand, so just sharing, like, the shoes I like, and if you don't like them, that's fine. Like, I, I posted a story on Uggs the other day. I wear Uggs. They're warm, <laughs> and that's me. Like, I, they, I think that's what's beautiful about fashion, and that's why I relate to it so much is that what you like, I may not like, but you like it. Like, that, that's respect right there, and it, it goes both ways. And, yeah, I, just embracing my story on Instagram and other platforms has helped a ton. Um, it, it's been because of the team. When it comes to when it comes to posting, mm -hmm. there's going to be different things that you post on different platforms. Yeah, how is your your LinkedIn posts and everything you post on that platform different than what you're doing on Instagram and uh, other uh, social media platforms? Yeah, when I first started, it was very different. So um, Instagram stayed more of the yo, I just went to the Bears game or I just went to the Bucks game, th those types of things. Instagram stayed that side, and the shoes stayed on Instagram, and the business side was very. I mean, everything I was going through with entrepreneurship and what I'm leveraging with sales and little tips I can give people, stuff like that. Um, within the last, honestly, within the last two months, I've opened up to the point where I'm literally at some points, like if I like my caption on Instagram and um, I like what I posted on Instagram, I'll post the same thing on, on LinkedIn. And I, I do get some hate from it because LinkedIn is known as this uh, old school resume platform. But at the end of the day, I'm opening up to the point where people know who Izzy is. Like we were just at inbound a uh, couple in September and he, this guy came up to me and Q, he's like, guys, 
I feel like I know you. Like I feel like Izzy and Q like are are like good friends and like it literally explained our entire lives. And the guy had never met us before. And it was it was really crazy seeing just how just me putting myself out there and like Q putting himself out there and all these different things, us being authentic has been able to uh, really open doors and, and show, give, give people who do follow us or give people that um, do need a tip here and there, the, the courage to just like, we're everyday people. Like we'll walk around Milwaukee just like everybody else does. Like all you have to do is shoot us a message if you, if you need some help or you need some tips or anything like that. So there's a human behind every brand, even if it's a personal brand, like obviously there's a human behind that. So um, I think just showing off who I was and opening to other platforms, opening myself to other platforms has helped a ton. I feel like the way that you do it on LinkedIn too makes so much more sense um, because you're building your personal brand on LinkedIn. You're, you're giving tips, you're giving tricks for whatever you're, you're kind of like, you're putting yourself out there. And one thing that kind of like bothers me and I'll, I'll catch flack for this, but whatever, I don't really care. Um, companies try to leverage individuals' LinkedIn yeah. to sell their product, to sell their service. How do you feel about that? It's, <laughs> I don't know. Like, if it, it depends. Like, we, we get offered, like, sponsored sponsored ads and stuff like that. So, like, uh, this Columbia uh, shirt and these, these shoes that I'm, boots I'm wearing today, I, they sent them to me on Instagram and they were like, Hey, we'd love it. If you posted it on LinkedIn, I did not post it on LinkedIn until I actually tried the, the product because if I believe in the product, then hell yeah. Like these are the comfiest like winter boots and like they're halfway stylish. Um, I've never seen winter boots that are like better than the Walmart boots that you go and get for 25 bucks and you go sliding in them and stuff like that. So at the end of the day, I needed to make sure that I, I, I believed in them. Um, but when I was at, the bucks and when I was at rock ventures and all these different places, it was definitely a Izzy, make sure you post on LinkedIn for ticket sales. And I see that everywhere. And then there's like at I'm talking today and they're still doing it, which is fine. But I think they're really, really missing the point because if those ticket sales people or their sponsorship people had the brands and, and had the personal brands to say, Hey, I really, really like, I think like, I went through all this. I, I went to the game. It was an amazing experience and all these different things. Um, there's a couple of people doing it right, right now, uh, in that, in that industry, that's just like, it's social selling number, like one one. like that's how you're supposed to social sell. It's not just sending a LinkedIn message or sending an in-mail or sending a DM. It's much more than that. It's showing a person behind that, that brand or anything like that. So I think they're missing the, the point of it at the end of the day. And it's not just the sports industry, it's other industries as well. Uh, like Northwestern mutual gets a lot of heat because I literally go get coffee, um, and I'm getting pitched or I, I literally, sometimes I won't accept a connection request if I see financial advisor at Northwestern mutual, cause I know what's about to happen. They're about to message me to get coffee, to talk about my financial plan and all these different things. And if they introduce themselves as to like, yo, I, I, I'm, new to Milwaukee. I just want to meet some new people. Like I'm more likely to be like, all right, yeah, just grab some coffee. Like yep. that's how it's supposed to be. But I think they're missing the point a little yeah, bit. Yeah. I feel like marketing teams are missing the point because it's social, social selling. So right away they think, Oh, social media. 
let me just post on social media and everything's going to come. I feel like sending a LinkedIn message, sending an in-mail, like all of that's it's, it's just like a cold call. It's just like an email. If they're not into it, if they don't want it, they're going to be like, eh, it's whatever. I'm not interested in it. And they're going to keep it moving. I think, like you said, companies need to figure out another, a better way to social sell um, and show off their, their service, their product in a different way than just saying, hey, we're going to be at XYZ, come to our booth, or our platform does XYZ. Show us what your platform does. Show us how your platform is going to impact us. Show us how your service is going to impact us. And I feel like once companies start to figure that out and put the human element back into it, they'll crush it. Yeah, I mean, I think it goes without saying, too. Like, if you show that there's humans behind this brand and you show that your culture is good and you show like all these things that you're doing to help your employees. Like I'm more likely to say, I'm going to, I'm going to take my accounting services to this accountant who actually cares about his employees because they talk about it all the time. than go with a guy who sent me a cold email that I don't even know type of thing. <laughs> just makes too much sense. Sometimes. It makes too much <laughs> sense, but I feel like, I don't know. Companies are just, I don't even want to say it, but I think it's, it's that generational gap. And once baby boomers, if you want to call them baby boomers, whatever you want to say, once they start to kind of like let, you know, millennials, our generation, who kind of like grew up on social media, grew up on these platforms, start to develop and work at a higher level, work at a higher amplitude, then I feel like a lot of success on social media is going to be stagnant. Oh, yeah. But... Yeah, we talked about social media. <laughs> I thought that was going to be a little bit uh, shorter. But, that, dude, that's just a question I had to ask because yeah. it's just like, man, at work, it's like, oh, LinkedIn premium, message a bunch of people, see yeah. how it goes. And I'm like, fam, this is the same thing I'm doing. Like, if I'm cold calling somebody or sending over an email, like, they're just going to – it's a waste of LinkedIn credits. It is. Might as well just keep it moving. And it's like uh, – like. I'm not even going to lie. I did the LinkedIn premium this month because I like to actually respond to all my happy birthdays um, because it shows like at the end of the day, I do like, I actually do appreciate anybody who messages me, even on Facebook, like any one of my friends I, I respond to. I try to get back to everyone, but my birthday is more important to, to me than it is to anybody else. So like I'll, I'll respond to everybody. And if I needed to respond to everybody on the, I couldn't do it on the free version. So I actually paid 50 bucks just so I can respond to everyone because I wanted to show people I cared. It, it, it's less of a fake personality. It's more of, here you go. And I feel like that's another great way to build your brand as well. A lot of people just let those Happy birthday messages, whether that's on Instagram, you post something about your birthday, or Facebook. Everyone's just like, oh, X, Y, and Z say happy birthday. Great. But, yeah. like, once you get to the point where it's just like, oh, thank you. I appreciate it. Like, that one little thing can change that person's day. Oh, yeah. Because they could be having a bad day, and it's just like, oh, I feel unappreciated. I just It's his birthday. Happy birthday. And it's just like, oh, yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. They're like, oh, shit. Like, people notice me. Exactly. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's crazy. I had, like, I there was... I'm not mistaken. The number was 759 people um, message me on LinkedIn for the birthday, which was amazing. That's um, a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. It took me a couple hours to actually get through everything. But like people, I had probably like 75 people reach reach back out after I said thank you and all this stuff. And 
they reach back out there. Like I've never got anybody to respond back to a happy birthday. Like, thank you. Or even when people post a new job, it's like, Oh, so-and-so got a new job. Say congratulations. And you're just like, congrats. And you like it, or you celebrate now that you have like the little, like a motocon type thing you can do. And then you hear nothing back. It's just like, dude, I'm literally just wishing you well. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You could just, you can like it like something. So I appreciate that, man. I appreciate people like you who do those small things. Thank you. Next thing I wanted to talk to you a little bit about um, was diversity. This is something that you've been very focused on as of late, something that you have been doing a few talks on as well, too. You know, we're living in Milwaukee. The, The least diverse city in the entire United States, pretty much. Um. What's your takes on that? Like, how do you, how does that make you feel knowing that you, you moved from Chicago to Milwaukee and diversity? So, I mean, just look at it. It's horrible. Like, yeah. I mean, we're, we're downtown right now and I, I don't see too many people that look like me, but then if we, if we drive 40 blocks West, all of a sudden we, we hit the people that look like us really. Um, and honestly, like the the reason why I took a stance on it and the reason why I'm so vocal about it is because I think it's I think it's because I grew up in such a diverse community back home in Chicago and then ended up um, my parents moved me out to the suburbs of Chicago to go to high school um, because they didn't want me to go into the same high schools they went to and that was a culture shock I was like wow what like all my friends like don't get me wrong like if Jake David and Andrew are listening to this like. They're some of my best friends. They, they are my best friends out there. But, like, at the end of the day, like, most of my friends from that that time of my life is just one color, and it was white. And I came to Milwaukee thinking this is going to be like Chicago. It wasn't. Like, I, like I, I'm still craving that, that little, that diversity that um, I had when I was a kid. And I was, I'm able to go to different pockets of the city. And I, we, you talked about bigger companies and how I like working with them before. And this is where a lot of the frustration comes from. Um, it comes to is it's, it's literally like, Hey, you have millions of dollars to, to help with this, but you decide to spend it on different things like, um, that's quote unquote support the city. But what we need to do as a city is actually go ahead and start, including people other than the people that are are downtown or in Shorewood or in in Whitefish Bay and I'm not trying to just highlight a specific race but that race is what has really taken this city for the last how many years and um, it's it's just not including uh, everyone and I think in diversity inclusion is just I think those two words are are buzzwords at this point like every Yes. And it's, it's something like I'm, I'm talking, I'm giving a talk next week, um, at disrupt Milwaukee. It's called Gen Z, the future of DNI. And, um, essentially the focus of the talk is Gen Z is, uh, actually, if I'm not mistaken, the, the, the quote or the stat is, um, Gen Z is, has reports that 81% of the generation actually has one or more friends that are of color. Millennials were only 60% and Gen X was uh, way below that. And then baby boomers were just like, yeah, boomers. (laughs) Um, So 
like it's it's crazy that the future is there. Uh, the future of DNI is here. Um, but at the end of the day, like if we don't take the steps to make sure that the the future generation is um, going to be able to write their own history, and we're not like we're never going to see that future. Um, especially in the city. So uh, just doing things, little things like um, personally, like I, I volunteered and I worked at the Boys and Girls Club on the south side for a long time. Um, I coach baseball and I have some rivals at, at Sherman Park because I coached, I actually was the head coach for one year. Um, my softball and baseball team won um, city that year. Um, and I quit, I quit on top <laughs> and it, it's crazy. Just like the communities here. Um, I mean, Milwaukee is actually, um, uh, the pe people of color actually outnumber people or white people, um, in this city. But at the end of the day, I think it's, it's hilarious that it, it's hilarious to the point because it's so evident and it's so clear that it, they're just not being treated the same way and i just had a i just had a client in from austin texas or i mean toronto he has uh, his startup has offices in austin and i'm driving around the city i was like do you want to see like my parts of the city or do you want to see like what you see on tv and he was like what do you mean so i showed him i showed him the north side i showed him the south side the white dude from canada um and I showed him into the suburbs. I showed him really everywhere. Shorewood, I showed him everywhere. And he's like, it's crazy because I'm an outsider and I can see where this money, where the money is being spent. And like, I, at the end of the day, like there's business leaders here that absolutely hate that I talk about this subject because I, I, I don't know what it is, honestly, but it might be because I'm young, I'm brown, I'm unproven. But at the end of the day, if I, if I don't think that people like that look like me are represented. I was going through a walkthrough on the north side of some big development. There was about 20, 30 people there. Of those 20, 30 people, there was four people of color on the north side. What's dude, going on? Dude, it's nuts. Like, <laughs> I, when I was, I'll take you back 20, 2014 when I graduated with my undergrad degree, I was working at Generac Power Systems when I was going to school for my master's. I was the only black person in the entire company. The only one. And then, dude, it's nuts, right? It, it makes no sense. And then after that, I moved over to another tech company, Zywave. There was two of us. Now where I'm at now, there's three, four, three in office. One of them works remote. And I'm, like me and my manager actually had a conversation just about this um, last late last week, I want to say it was Thursday. It was like just us two in the office. Everyone like work from home <laughs> randomly, so it was just like us chilling. And um, I like brought up the topic because I was just like curious. Like you, you know, he's a hiring manager as well, and I'm like, do you see a lot of African American applicants or anybody of color? Um, and he's just, and he just was candid. He's just like honestly, like no, like he doesn't see people of color applying like whatsoever to these tech companies. And I'm kind of curious why that is number one and what your thoughts, thoughts are on it. Yeah. I think the easy answer is I'm not trying to make it easy, but I public schools are primarily the demographic for public public schools are primarily people of color. 
And it just so happens that public schools are the most underfunded school system in the U.S. Um, and originally, like I'm originally from Chicago, as I said, and um, right now the, the teachers union is literally protesting, but they're not protesting just based off the teachers aren't paid enough. They're teaching, they're protesting because the kids don't have funding. And just because they might be negative five cents on their lunch account, um, they can't eat that day. And that's, that's BS. Like, come on, you know how much food is out there in the world? Like, it, it's sad that people are going hungry right now. But like, the fact that you have kids in America right now, um, that can't eat lunch with their friends because their mom and dad forgot to pay their bill or mom and dad might not have enough money to pay their lunch bill. Um, and that lunch meal only costs the, the state or the city or, or that public school system a dollar, two dollars, whatever it is. Um, so I think underfunding in public school systems, one. And I, I mean, my, my stance is like, I think, at the end of the day, like even at Stritch, there was a, a bunch of Hispanic students and they gave out Hispanic scholarships and all this stuff. Um, but I think we're doing the people of, we're doing people of color a disservice in, in, in younger generations because we're not telling them that tech is a field that they can be in. Like, honestly, like when I was growing up, I knew about tech because of the suburbs that I lived in in Chicago. But I had a CAD class, I had all these different things. But if I went back home and I asked my cousins and I, I asked my old friends from elementary school, like, hey, what are you studying? They're like, oh, no, we're just, we're just kind of going. And they were going to public school. Sorry. Um, they were going to public school. So I think we're, we're doing everybody a disservice by not making, like, I get that the university schools of the world might have um, massive funders and everything like that, but the public school system is where like the middle class is like comes from primarily most of the middle class comes from. So why aren't we funding it? And you're seeing that middle class. I, I don't want to get into politics, but like you're seeing that middle class shrink. I wonder, I wonder why that's why yeah. I'm, I'm just going to leave that up for debate. I, I agree. I agree <laughs> with everything you said. Like me personally, I grew, I grew up in the North side. Like I, yeah. I personally grew up in the projects. Like that's where I grew up at, yeah. but I went to school all the way out in the suburbs. Yeah. So I also feel like one thing is just seeing the people that I grew up around, the people that were in my community. I don't think they even know that those, like you said, the opportunities are there. I don't think they know the opportunities are there. And I don't think that they think that they're qualified yep. for these opportunities too. It's like, it's like, Oh, a lot, talk to a lot of people and it's just like, Oh yeah, I got my four year degree. What are you going to do? Eh, I'm probably going to go work in a warehouse. Yeah. Just like you, you spent, four years of your life in college and got a business degree or you're doing X, Y, and Z and you can't find a job, you're going to go work in a warehouse. It's like, have you looked into tech? Have you looked into like any sort of like software as a service type company? Yeah. It's like, Oh no, I, I haven't. I didn't even know that was like something I could do. Yep. So it's definitely the schools like growing up Yeah. as well as I feel like the universities aren't pushing pushing SaaS's yeah. or even like any, any job within tech yeah. tech, like a SaaS company, it's a company. There are, you know, there's managers just like there's managers anywhere else. So if you don't get, you know, the manager job at some industrial company, that doesn't mean you can't get it at a tech company. Yeah. Like everything works together. Exactly. There's I, layers. 
I honestly think uh, another thing to that is like the media too. Like every, any, if you see any article about a tech company, what what color is that founder? Yeah, and I'm not saying like I recently um, somebody that you should have on, and I can make an intro. His name's Tariq from Eighty Eight Nine. Dope dude, and he, he'll get real real with you. Yeah, um, I messaged him on Instagram like two days ago. All right, perfect. Yeah, if he, he hasn't gotten back to me, so if he doesn't respond, let yeah. me know. But he's really dope dude. Um, he's originally from Atlanta, and I have him on Facebook and on LinkedIn, and he shares everything that's going on in Atlanta. And if he didn't share that, and he didn't like really just put himself out there and share what's going on, I wouldn't know that Atlanta has this massive colored tech community. Because nobody else covers it. Atlanta is insane. Yep. Like, my aunt lives there. She, like, my aunt owns two houses down there. Like, she's a CPA. She has, like, her own business. She works. She's a teacher. Like, all this stuff, dude. So, she has, like, two houses down there. She moved. She left a house that she built to build another house in an all-black suburb. Yeah. Like, every single one of her neighbors are African-American. It is insane. And it's just like, oh, we're going to have a few people over for Christmas. And it's like 30 people. <laughs> and she, like, knows all of them. They're all cool. Like, we sit around, like, the fire, like, and, like, talking to them. Like, telling, like, listen to their stories and, like, yeah. how they got there. And, like, how this community is, like, so tight-knit. Yeah. And I wish that Milwaukee had something like that. Yeah. But I also feel like it sucks, like, saying that I feel like Milwaukee will never have anything like that just because the opportunities aren't there. But I feel like it's something that the city should definitely strive for. And that's not calling out, you know, other people of color or anything like that. It's just saying, like, there's opportunities out there. Companies are starting to push, like, diversity and inclusion where, you know, it sucks to say. It's like, oh, we need to hire more people of color. (laughs) But that's just what it is. Maybe you're that one person. Maybe you're that third or fourth person that gets hired. It's like research opportunities look up things and then maybe we can build something together. Exactly. That's the goal. I love that. Thank you. <laughs> I just ripped I'm off the note. I'm not adding to that at all. <laughs> That's cool, man. That's cool. Cuz that that I haven't even have nothing else to say. Cool. We can talk about shoes now. Perfect. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> so what's your favorite shoe, man? So, um I mentioned finally having the money to buy myself a pair of Jordans. Um, I picked up the Jordan 4 Brud um, retros, and I I don't care if they crease. I don't care if anything happens. I wear them probably, I try to wear them at least twice a week um, because I love them so much. I used to, like in NBA Live back in the day or like in anything that you could customize shoes um, for any NBA game, so like 2K or anything like that, I always used to put whatever model, even if it was a generic model because Jordan wasn't whatever, like sponsoring the, the thing, I would always put that colorway or anything like that on, anything that looked close to that. Um, so, yeah, the Jordan 4s. Was that, so that was your first pair of Jordans? Yeah, that was my, I, well, my my dad bought me, um, he called them Fordans. There were some fake Jordans back in the okay. day. Um, and that was, I mean, that was the closest thing that I had. It, it was my brother bought a pair of, I think they were the 18s um, when we were in high school. He saved saved up a whole bunch of money. He used to work at Little Caesars, and he bought himself a pair of Jordans, the, the 18s, and then he was like, you know what? I don't want these anymore. He gave them to me, but, like, those were the first pair that were, like, those are mine. Damn. Dude, my first pair of Jordans, 2003 
True Blues. 2003 nice. True Blue Threes. Those are my first pair of Jordans ever. It was a year that the True Blues came out as a re-release as well as the the Columbia 11s. Okay. Found, we were on, like, vacation in Florida. Like, randomly saw them, bought them, had to throw the box away because they couldn't fit oh. in the luggage. Like, dude. Do you still have them? Yes. Damn. I still have them, dude. They're in my mom's, my mom's basement. Nice. When they re-released back in 2011, like... No, it wasn't 2000. It was maybe 2008. So I was still in high school. Like, yeah. dude, I made like, I made my mom buy me those again. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, I am not spending $200 on these shoes. And I'm like, you have to. <laughs> <laughs> please, please. <laughs> so how long is, uh, how long have sneakers been like a part of like your life? Yeah. Um, Everyone wanted shoes, you know, like growing up. Like yeah. when did that, you know, spark for you? Honestly, it sparked when. Um, we used to live in the area of the suburb of Chicago that we lived in. We lived close to an outlet mall, like one of like Pleasant Prairie outlet malls. Um, and there was a Reebok there. And when Iverson's shoes started hitting the outlet, that's when it was like, damn, I can actually, dad, I can, we can afford these. Like this is in my budget that you gave me. Um, and it was always back to school shoes and it was either the Iversons or the, the black and white Reebok classics all the time because it was like, yo, they're cheap. 29 bucks plus 30% off plus. I remember my dad, had, my, for the longest time, even to this day, my dad has AAA, so you get another 10% off. So, like, he has all these deals. He's like, oh, yeah, you can get those. You can get those. Um, but there was I, there was never any Nike outlet or anything like that. It was uh, it actually that outlet mall closed because no stores ever went out there. But, yeah, the, the Iversons is where it started. Um, and kind of just really progressed from there like after that i started getting into nikes i didn't really get into adidas that much until college uh to be honest and it was because we our high school was actually sponsored by under armor um and it was when under armor was starting to come up a little bit so like uh some of the athletes got shoes stuff like that um but like once high school hit i or college hit i was like oh yeah i'm gonna be able to afford shoes now um broke college kid problems hit and I was like oh I can't but I would always make fun of my buddy uh Chris um because he would always like go and like wait in line at Bayshore or anything like that I'm like dude we're like I know you're broke we work in the cafeteria together like why do you keep spending money on like I need to eat like that's why where I was putting my priorities in and he's like well yeah they're gonna be worth money one day I was like I mean I respect the hustle um and then like honestly dude like I'll, complete transparency. I tell everybody this, like I didn't really get into shoes until I had expendable cash. And that was like into buying shoes. That should, I should say, um, until I had the expendable cash. And that was probably when I, a couple months after I started this. So, um, from there, I, I now have more shoes than my girlfriend. Um, by, like by far, um, I bought, I just got the, the obsidians. Um, and that was a nice pickup. It was my first Jordan 1s ever, actually. Yeah. Yeah, first Jordan 1s ever. I have a pair of 12s, 12 lows, um, and then it's really all over the board after that. I'm a huge fan of Puma right now. Um, within the last six months, like I've been... Like the Puma cells? Yeah. I, I, the cells and then the RSX. Okay. Um, I like different colors on the, these boots. I think that's why they tra they attracted me, but, like, I, I like a whole bunch of different color blocking and stuff like that, and that's... Just, kind of why um uh, i don't know if 
uh, you read, but I, I just recently got the uh, invite, got offered to be a part of Complex and the Fashion Institute of Technology in New York City. Um, their new program is called Sneaker Essentials. It's an oh, all, dope. Uh, all online program. You learn everything from the start of his, like the history of sneakers to uh, de- like what goes into a design, how you design your own sneakers all the way to the point of sale. So I literally enrolled this morning. So I'm really excited for that. It's dope, man. I want to continue this. Yeah, dude. I'll, I'll kind of tell you this. My story kind of started off like similar to similar to yours with, like you said, full transparency. Sneakers for me started off at Kohl's. Yeah. And one. Oh, yeah. And ones. That's kind of where it started. One, I'll tell you a super stupid story. Like, I have a, I have an older sister. She actually just turned 30 a few days ago. Happy birthday, Paris. But um, we got into, like, a stupid argument, and she took my and ones and, like, threw them outside on, like, the concrete, and they had, like, that shiny, like, weird material that, like, scraped off. Like, scraped off half of my shoe. I, like, lost it. <laughs> and that's kind of, like, what's and ones started sneakers <laughs> for me, dude, yeah. honestly. And then ever since, like, honestly, just looking at sneakers just yep. all the time like it just infatuated with them and maybe because I, I ran too like yeah. running track just like running shoes like everything then the jordan era started i got some fake aqua eights online the name of the website was like toto shoes <laughs> <laughs> i don't know why i didn't think those were fake <laughs> they use like the real photos and then when i got them <laughs> My mom was like, are these real? <laughs> Had to, like, pay it off. She paid, like, $120 for them. Oh. Like, yeah, yeah, they're real. And I just, like, set them, like, in my room on this, like, speaker. And I'm like, I'll never wear these shoes. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. And then ever since then, dude, like, it's just been nonstop. I've had times where I've had, like, 40 pairs of shoes at once. Get them. Be like, oh, I'm done with sneakers for a little bit. Sell them. And then get another 30 pair, sell them, start piecing them away. And then Kanye West has played, like, a major part, like, in my life. It's weird to me to say. Like, I feel like I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for for him. I don't know. Just, like, whatever was going on, like, when he was making music, it was, like, the same thing was, like, going on with me. So I'm just, like, 808s and Heartbreaks came out. And, like, me and my girlfriend from, like, seventh grade to, like, sophomore year in high school broke up. So I was, like, feeling that pain, too. (laughs) So it's like when the Yeezys dropped, I slept the first time around. Like, I didn't get any of the original 350s. Now I have pretty much every 350 V2. Damn. Like, if I don't have it, I've probably sold it. I stayed away from Jordans. Like, I got the True Blue 3s. I probably picked up, like, Jordan 1 low hairs back in the day, like, 09. Mm -hmm. And then I just kind of, like, stayed away from them. Just like, ah, not a big Jordan fan. I like Nike's running shoes. Just not a big Jordan fan. Stayed away from them for a little bit. Then I just like I'm done with Nike. Period. Adidas only. Like all I have is like Ultra Boost and oh. all this other crazy crap. And then I started hitting on Nike sneakers. Yeah. And I was like, ah, oh, I like Nike again. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was just talking to my manager about this. Like, do you remember the original Off White drop? Yes. On the sneakers app. Yeah. So, on eBay. Like, the day they were dropping, people were selling them, like, right away. Just, like, you got them thing or whatnot. Yeah. For, like, a couple hundred bucks. I saw a pair. I wish I would have took a picture of it. The the Air Jordan 1s that came on the Off-White Collection. Someone was selling them for $450. That's the nuts. day that they dropped. They're, like, 3500 right yeah. now. Yeah. And, like, the Air Force 1s, like, 300 bucks. Blazers, like, 250 
man, do I regret that day. Damn. You know what I bought that day? A pair of Pharrell's, like the holy Pharrell's, like the pink ones, yeah. like spent like 390 bucks on those. It's like, why the fuck didn't I buy it? <laughs> why didn't I buy any of the off-white stuff and just hold it? Like, why didn't I just hold it? That's just like, that's the hardest part for me to like cope with. Yeah. I can't, I'll never get over that day, man. Damn. No, I had, uh, you just reminded me, uh, and one. So before, uh, Reebok and before I, or like during Iverson, actually during Iverson, um, Stephen Berry started, it came out. And when my dad found out that they sold shoes at Stephen Berry's, he's like, what about, what about these? He brought it home a couple pairs and I had the all black strawberries. I've been like, honestly, I've been looking for a pair in my size because like, I used to hoop in those, like, in, in seventh grade basketball, eighth grade basketball, everything. And I was like, oh, this would be cool to have. Uh, but every ones that I find, they're, like, all beat to shit. Like, it, it was, like, it was that shoe uh, that always got beat up. It was, honestly, I look back on it. They were a really crappy shoe. But it was, like. It was $15, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, like, like, it's, it's worth it. Yeah. I th- I'm pretty sure I have a hoodie at my parents' house still to this day. Um, and I, like, I thrift a lot, too. So, like, I randomly find stuff like that. Like, Damn. Brings me back a little bit. Do you remember Dada Spinners? Yes. I don't know why the strawberry thing just brought me back to Dada <laughs> Spinners. God, those shoes were so sick. I used to make fun of my buddy for like the first uh, babes to come out. I used to make fun of him all the time. And he's like, why are you making fun of me? I'm like, they're hideous, dude. And then over time, I'm like, damn, I, I was stupid then. Like, Wait, you said babes? Yeah. The babes does? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> dude. <laughs> Bapes are like one of the most classic shoes. Like I yeah. wanted a pair of Bapes so bad. Like, dude, I was when I talk about like loving freaking shoes. Like, yeah, I would have done anything for a pair of Bapes. <laughs> anything, man. Well, what's crazy is the same shoes I was ripping on them for were the Kanye West Bapes. And like, dude, he just broke my heart because I'm you sorry. know what? I was just I was gonna say I wanted the Kanye West <laughs> Bapes so bad. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, it's crazy. Like I, I look back now. I'm like, damn, I, I was really dumb. And um, I think it was like three, four months ago. I was uh, watching an episode of Sneaker Shopping, and they bought uh, the Kanye West basis. I was like, damn, they're going for that much. And but like at that point, they were saying like, oh, he bought them. But I think it, w- it might have been Offset. He went through, he bought some, and then he was like, yo, I can't even wear these. Like they're like just they're. If he wears them, they're going to tear apart type of thing. It's crazy. <laughs> and what do you think about sneaker culture and Milwaukee? Um, It has to be different compared to, like, Chicago. I know it's it different is. compared it to is. Chicago. It's, so I, what's it's, your thoughts like, on it? It's almost a 180, uh, to be honest. Um, I've, also, I've been very spoiled in my travels. I've been to the Portlands of the world, the Miamis, the New Yorks, and all this stuff, and kind of been um, – in those cultures as well. So I think it's actually kind of coming up a little bit. Um, as we were talking about earlier, like with the thrifting and this culture, like the vintage culture kind of coming up in the city, I think it, I think everything in the city is really coming up. It's just like, I don't want to go back to the, the diversity talk, but like that just, I think as you include other areas in the city, I think every culture will come up, but I think this culture specifically will come up like crazy. Like, you got trusted here um, who some people like, some people don't, but like they're doing amazing things for the culture of the city sneaks um, clicks up in Shorewood. Um, and then you, uh, you have the OGs at, at Moda doing 
always been doing good stuff as well um, for as long as I've been here. Shout out to the people at Deadstock in West Dallas, yep. though, too. Deadstock. Um, and Deadstock is doing... Um, so, the Deadstock and Franklin? Yeah, Franklin. Yeah. I'll say West Dallas. <laughs> so, Yaz, I... I might have him on the podcast at some point, but like I join the club, man. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've given that guy so many pair of shoes. <laughs> like fam, come on, come on, hurry up. <laughs> he was like, ah, oh, but I'm busy. Like, I know you're busy. I'll come to you. Yeah. No problem. <laughs> he was like, when I'm closed, like, I just want to go home and go to bed. And I'm like, I get it. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he's doing like amazing stuff too. I went in there when they first opened and I went in probably like, again, like two, maybe a month, month and a half ago. And, um, it's been a 180. Um, I think the culture is really growing on everybody and it doesn't help that, or it, it, it can't hurt that, um, people with money just give their, their kids some checks and, uh, and pay the people that want to actually, uh, push this culture forward. So it's really cool. I, I think what Milwaukee is really lacking, um, that Portland has that I've been kind of toying around with, not me starting, but like possibly investing in someone to start it is um, kind of a, a, I mean, this city has so many damn coffee shops, but a coffee shop centered around that culture specifically, whether it's sneaker, whether, whether it's just sneaker or whether you add in vintage and add in hip hop, I think it'd be really dope because it'll attract, it'll attract way more than just the normal Stone Creek four goers or the collectivo four goers, but then you got people coming into town from or coming into downtown or going to the north side that may not have gone to these different places. So um I think that's what it's lacking. Um Q's been trying to get me to start it for a long time, but I don't have the time to do that. Yeah, like a little <laughs> hip hop cafe. Yeah. I think yeah. it'd be dope. Like it'd be dope. Really dope. I, I think it'd be dope in River West to be honest. Uh yep. it's it's accessible to not only downtown the east side, but also other areas of the city. Um, but it's also close enough that tourists will kind of run yeah. into it as well. I feel like one thing about the city that is one thing that it's missing is we like the sneaker culture. Yeah. It's coming up. Yeah. But it's so much hype right now. Mm-hmm. We'll see. I think it's, it's coming up. It's good. I just want to see if it's sustainable. Yep. Because everything is hype right now. Like everything. And one thing that, I've noticed that we have that that we don't have that Chicago has are some of the bigger brands when it comes to things. That's where that's the piece we're missing out at. Yep. Like Sneaks does a good job at, you know, acquiring a lot of things. Same thing with clicks. Um, and you know, if you go to Trusted, you can get, you know, aftermarket stuff, whatnot, you know, used. But I feel like we just need that one streetwear store. Like just one, like straight street world store that you know series the uh, not series carries you know clack gosh cactus <laughs> plant f- flea market bbc yeah um those brands like yep. those really big brands and curated specifically for them in chicago like you see that everywhere. all everywhere yep and the city right here that's the one thing we're missing and i feel like once the city gets that it's a game changer what's crazy is that um have you ever been to august in madison no. So it's a, sh- uh, I think it's been open since the summer. Okay. So it's not, it's not too open or it hasn't been open for a long time or anything like that. But I think it's almost along the lines of what you're talking about. Like they have curated sections of the, like you said, uh, even if, if it's Chinatown Market or it's uh, De Garcons or anything like that, at, at least it's a higher end type of thing and less of um, 
the hundreds or I, yeah. I love the hundreds. I love Bobby hundreds. I met him at complex con, but like it's less of that. And it's more of this. Another thing that Chicago has is, um, they have the Nike, the Nike stores downtown. They have like, I think honestly, like we're sitting on Wisconsin Avenue right now. I think all of Wisconsin Avenue should be like Michigan Avenue. And I talk about yes. it with Q all the time. Like, I agree, dude, there's so many stores here that could be double level Nike stores or even a stupid H and M or something like that, where it's just, um, at least it's encouraging retail to be along this Avenue and like, okay, you have a tourist destination other than the art museum or other yep. than the forum or anything like that. But I think the buy-in from yes, the bigger brands, um, streetwear wise, but then like the Nikes, the Adidas, let's, let's like Giannis is here. Why doesn't Nike have a store? Like where's the nearest Nike store? There isn't one, which is weird because I thought they were going to do Nike store, Adidas store, um, over by the Pfizer. Yeah. But that was supposed to be done. Yeah. And they haven't started grind. Like they broke, well, they knocked down the parking structure where yeah. everything's supposed to be, but <laughs> now it's just like sitting. Exactly. It's, it's so weird. I think like if they can do that over there, that'd be dope. But like, I just think like Wisconsin Avenue would be so yeah. dope. Like you got the art museum all the way down Wisconsin Avenue. That could be like, I'm just thinking Chicago has the water tower that you like every tourist takes a picture of. You got uh, the Hancock center, you got all these different things, but then you have malls in these old buildings as well. There's, I was walking around the other day. There's like 10 open office buildings, like just tear one up. Yep. Like, Knock it down. Yeah. I, I think, we don't have that because they look at Milwaukee as such a small market. Yeah. But I don't like, it's a small market because you just look at Milwaukee. Yeah. Of course, if you look at just Milwaukee, it's a small market, but you look at the suburbs of Milwaukee, it, that market doesn't look too small. Right. And I feel like once people money. get there, I, yes, there's money. Cause it's so much, they're investing so much money in these suburbs right yeah. now that people are flocking to the suburbs, which yep. is fine. But it's like, just like Chicago. A lot of people live in the suburbs of Chicago. Yeah. And they come into the city. Why don't they take that formula and do it here? Exactly. Gosh. We should just run the city, bro. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Yeah. I actually was thinking about that. You know, Milwaukee has had three mayors in the last 50 years. What? Yeah. No, oh, I didn't know that. That's insane. Um, it'd be awesome if it would like to be honest, I believe of those three in the last 50 years, all three were white. Yeah. Um, and I just think like, okay, maybe that's the issue. Maybe the, like other parts of the city needs to be represented in that type of way. So that not, not so that the streetwear stores pop yeah. up, but like, <laughs> so that like, okay, some cool stuff. Like maybe we shouldn't put this here because that might think that that might make people think that they should stay on this type of yeah. sound or anything like that. So, it's it's definitely interesting. I'm really excited for the the future of the city and everything like that, and where where we're headed. Yeah, I, I agree. Let's yeah, don't get it confused. Like we're excited for what the city's doing. Yeah. Um, and I feel like I've had this conversation with pretty much everyone on the podcast. Milwaukee's changing. We don't know what it's changing into. Milwaukee doesn't know what it's changing into, but it's changing, and it oh, yeah. looks like it's changing for the better. And that's all that we can hope for at the end of the day. Exactly. Cool. That's all I got, man. Uh, do you have any questions for me or anything that you want to speak about that you didn't get to cover? No. Uh, I appreciate you having me on, dude. Appreciate um, you for doing and this. Like, if, um, I can, like I said, if I can introduce anybody for you or anything like that, just shoot me an Instagram message or anything like that. But um, if anyone wants to follow me, it's uh, at it's Izzy Lugo on Instagram. And then just look me up, Izzy Lugo the third on LinkedIn.
Um, but I appreciate you having me on. Appreciate you doing this, man. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah.